You are listening to the Unsoberly Sober Show. I'm your host, Magnify Maggie. This podcast will turn your perception of going sober upside down. We're going to be working from the inside out to get you that dream life. So make sure you stick around for the end of the episode where I'm going to walk you through our weekly positive pursuit exercise to begin rewiring that beautiful mind, baby. What is up, my free and powerful friends? This is Magnify Maggie. We are going down, going down deep into the Unsoberly Sober show today. I also got my girl Lana in the corner. She's hanging out. We'll have a little convo there. I'm so excited to have you here. I am starting this podcast with a mission, a mission ablazing, because I'm gonna be real. I am so sick and tired. I am over the traditional sobriety content narrative. I'm scrolling, I'm seeing people talking about, once I have a drink, the drink takes me. Once an addict, always an addict, and I'm over it. I'm here to show you that that is not the only outcome if you've struggled with addiction before. So I am now, podcast creator and I feel like I'm driving this bus and I'm so excited to be talking about things that expand your level of awareness as to why you drink, what to do instead, and take the conversation to other places beyond this is how I got sober and this is what I do every day to make sure I don't drink. I think the focus on not drinking perpetuates the need to drink. So what you'll find about the Unsoberly Sober show is that we're not always talking about alcohol. We're talking about lifestyle factors. We're talking about habits, health, discipline, mindset. This is going to be your mindset foundational show. So Let's go ahead and uh, kick it back old school. I want to give you a little bit of insight as to what brought me here. I've been a guest on many sobriety podcasts, and I always leave the show feeling like I didn't expand enough. I didn't say enough as to how I live my life now. I talk a lot about my story, but I have to talk about my future as well. In order to get there, we do have to lay the groundwork, though. I am now 33 years old, but I was born into a family of addiction. My mom started to drink when I was very young. My dad was deployed. This was the era before social media, before being connected. My dad had no idea what was going on at home. So here I was, the youngest of three siblings, so two older brothers, and I started to notice this disconnection with my mom, isolation. She basically took herself out of our lives. And Amongst all of the the trauma, the dynamics, the tumult of growing up as a child of an alcoholic, I was programmed like a little robot to believe all of the things that AA had to say about addiction, all of the things that the big book said, all of the things that the 12 steps cause you to identify as. I was a frequent flyer at AA by the time I was seven years old, going there with my mom. Yeah, as a little seven-year-old, I could feel the negative energy. I could feel the contradictory solutions that they would be proposing, like identifying as your own coping mechanism. And I was like, heck no. I knew that I did not like that outlook, that narrative, but there was nothing for me to do about it then. I was taught over and over again that addiction was a disease, a genetic disease, that eventually I would succumb to this genetic disease if I didn't keep my eyes straight forward and stay diligent never to touch alcohol. Well, what do you know? 
all of the environmental conditioning factors of growing up with a mom who was an alcoholic. And then on top of that, losing my brother to suicide when I was 12, he was 14. About six months later, I began drinking myself. After years and years and years of hating what alcohol did to our family, there I was. After learning how to pour it down the toilet so my mom wouldn't drink it when I was seven, I was pouring it down my throat every day to run from that trauma, to run from that guilt, that remorse. That, you were 14? Yeah, I was 13 when I started drinking. Yeah. Binge drinking. Uh, I drank from a red solo cup. The first time I drank, it was three quarters full. I had no idea about mixing lights and dark. So I just put everything I could in this cup and I chugged it and I somehow knew about chasers. I don't know how that came to bat. Maybe I heard about it in an AA room. Who knows? But I chugged the three quarters full red solo cup and I chased it with a Smirnoff ice. And I remember the first words that came out of my mouth were, Dang, no wonder my mom is an alcoholic. Because as much as I hated the experience on the end that I was of having the mom disconnected from me, it was the first time probably in my whole life that I felt connection to myself. I felt this warmth, happiness, this elation, despite all of the, the pain that I was going through. So it makes sense, right? I started to escape all of that pain as often as I could with alcohol. That did not stop until I was 28. I am a recipient of multiple DUIs. I dropped out of college. I had to step down from a very high level corporate position. It was very public and embarrassing. And in the midst of all of that, the one person that I relied on and the one person that was my rock and my my confidant in my family, my, my father, he passed away around the same time. Uh, that was 2018. So I say all of that because a lot of times people will hear what I have to say and they'll say, girl, you don't know. You've never seen addiction. You can't talk about these things and you can't talk about positive thinking and subconscious reprogramming and working out and fitness and think that that cures addiction. And I'm here to say it does. And I'm here to emphatically emphasize that's redundant, maybe, uh, <laughs> excitedly emphasize that there is a cure to addiction and you are the cure to your own addiction. And I'll kind of reframe this and say that, you know, addiction in, in general is oftentimes argued because what does that mean? If you talk to a doctor, there's actually not a medical diagnosis for addiction. It's called alcohol use disorder. What we as the mainstream population of people that are aware of it what we deem addiction is actually stage four alcohol use disorder. I was thoroughly stage one, two, three, and I was on the verge of stage four, which is physical dependency. I was very mentally dependent, and there were stages in my life where I was physically dependent. You as a listener, you may be in that stage four physically or mentally dependent. You might also not be there, but you're habitually drinking and you realize that alcohol is not serving you. You might be in that AUD stage one, AUD stage two, but guess what? We don't wake up in stage four. So really my mission is to help people understand, take control of their life and be proactive rather than waiting until that physical and mental dependency, because it's a heck of a lot more challenging 
to work your way out of that. But if I can inspire you, if you're sober curious, if you are just somebody who is worried or, or concerned about your health and wellness, but you find yourself drinking every night, drinking every weekend and, and talking yourself into thinking, oh, well, I'm okay because I only drink X, Y, and Z. And you have some sort of justification, but deep down, you know, you know that you are not showing up as the best you and you wake up sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's what this show is all about. Inspiring you to take your power back. I remember so many times people saying, oh, we can't teach discipline and self-control to addicts. They are addicts. Well, why don't we try? Why don't we try to empower them and create confidence and create self-love and create a sense of I'm the type of person that says what I'm going to do. I'm the type of person that does what I say I'm going to do. When we have that dynamic, we start to wake up proud of ourselves. We start to have many goals throughout the day. And guess what? Those goals start to become so exciting that the thought of alcohol, you have a reaction of, ugh, nope, that doesn't fit me anymore. And so I want to paint this picture. After all of that shit storm that was the, the first 28 years of my life, I had an aha moment. I would not define it as a rock bottom because uh, it really wasn't the worst of the situations that I had ever found myself in. Um, I just had a trail of probably three or four really embarrassing things happen. Um, December of 2019 uh, and then into January 2020. Everybody remember what went down that year? January of 2020, I said, I'm going to try. I'm going to dip my toes into dry January. And I went about it in the same way that I had tried all the other times before. I'm going to read Quit Lit. Quit Literature. Books about people who were like me, being drunk, finding their way to sobriety. Basically, keeping my mind stuck in the ideas of relating everything to alcohol. I was reading Quitlet. I was telling myself all day, every day, don't drink, Maggie, don't drink. That's all you gotta do today is not drink. You know how fucking hard that is? When you're constantly telling yourself not to do something, you will exhaust your willpower. I made it through January by the little skin on my teeth. Come February, Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I'm from Kansas City. Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and by golly, I'm the type of person that needs to celebrate with alcohol. I made it a whole month. I made it a whole month. I'm free. I'm cured. Yeah. So I drank on the Super Bowl that year. It didn't go quite as badly as normal, but I wasn't super happy about it. The next week, we had a friend's wedding. My husband had just had a uh, cervical disc fusion on his neck. He was literally in a neck brace. We went to this wedding. I yelled at him for not dancing with me because he could have literally died. But in my drunken stupor, I was like, you pussy, you pansy, you better get on this dance floor and dance with me. Made a fool in front of everybody. And then when he said, it's time to go home, I then threw an even bigger tantrum about how he was party pooper and he didn't want to go to the after party. And so basically I woke up on February 16th of 2020 and I was so over having to apologize for shit that I did not remember doing. There was this feeling in my gut that was like, this is the end. Stop it, Maggie. 
the sense of having to go down and re-experience through somebody else's perception of what I did the night before because I didn't remember, I was so over that. And then on top of that, having to apologize but still being so triggered to try to defend myself because I was kind of still drunk, that just, it, it doesn't play well, right? So February 16th, in my shame and my guilt and my overwhelming anxiety, I said, I have to do different, but I'm not going to do it the way that I was programmed to do it. I started to think, if everything in my life causes me to think about alcohol in some way, shape, or form, that must mean that my identity is built into drinking. If everything about me, when I decide to get involved in something or say no to something, if everything is dictated by whether or not there will be alcohol there or whether or not I will be too hungover, that's a lot to say about who I have become. Now that It wasn't a pretty self audit. It did not feel good to go through my mind and say these things about myself. But here's the thing. You have to find the bad feeling thought in order to become aware of what thought would make you feel better. So in identifying that, wow, as a person, everything about me is alcohol related. Well, if I weren't relating everything to alcohol, what would that mean? What would I be doing in the absence of that identity? Who would I want to be? And boy, did it feel like a switch had been flipped. It felt like this weight had been lifted off of me that I'd been carrying around my whole life for my mom, trying to fix her and and inspire her to do something different with her life. I could see that showing up for myself finally. And I said, okay, if every time I tell myself don't drink, it feels harder to not drink, what would I need to think instead? If I'm not drinking, what am I doing? Okay, I am maybe going for a walk, which let me tell you, in the mental dependent mindset, that does not sound fun. But once you start to do it, you find a little fun in that because you start following through on the things that you say you're going to do. Boom, shakalaka, self-confidence and discipline and discipline, right? If I am tired of feeling lazy and lethargic and weak all of the time, But I'm telling myself, oh, I'm so weak. I'm so sick of being tired. Well, if I keep focusing on that, I think that actually makes it feel like it's even more intense. So what would the opposite of that be? Oh, well, the opposite of lazy, maybe I could start saying I'm active. Maybe I could start telling myself I'm healthy, that I make good decisions for myself. And I started to say, anytime I think about my old identity, I'm going to substitute a sentence, a vision, an image on the screen of my mind that paints the picture of the person that I want to be. I'm gonna drop one of my favorite quotes here. You're gonna learn very soon that I speak in quotes. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale said, the prescription to any problem is to take your mind off of the problem and put it on the image you wish to create. Because our minds are fantastic magnets 
And anything that you're focusing on, whether or not you say, don't do it, I shouldn't be this way, whether you say it in that way or I am this type of person, whatever you tell yourself, whatever you focus on, you're going to perpetuate in your life and you are going to attract. You are going to feel like that type of person. So I see so many people in the traditional sobriety space saying, I just need to make it through the day without drinking and they're white knuckling it and they're basically tramping through life with cement blocks around their feet and they don't understand that instead of saying don't drink, they could say, what should I do? Or even don't drink alcohol, what should I drink instead? And here's the fun rabbit hole that I dove down. So I had always been interested in fitness. I mentioned that I uh, had to step down from a, a very high p level position at a corporate job. That corporate job was called Hooters. And at Hooters, where I worked for 10 years, I had to look like I basically stepped out of the calendar every single shift. And even though I was very high functioning with my alcoholism outside of work, when I was at work, I was on my A game, which meant that I needed to look good in my uniform. So. Along the way, through my mental and physical dependency, I had still fit in time for the gym. And there were certain glimmers of hope throughout my journey, my early 20s, before I actually found this new way to think. I found that the gym actually made me feel really good at certain times in my life when I was taking maybe two or three weeks off of drinking. That's about as far as I ever made it. Um, but the gym made me feel good. And I said, wow, these healthy, happy hormones. This is actually something that, that I've never felt before without alcohol. So when I was thinking and I was brainstorming in February of 2020, leading into March of 2020, I said, instead of thinking about not drinking alcohol, especially at like the witching hour, 8 p.m., when I would normally roll up with my quadruple old-fashioned, I decided to replace that with a BCAA shake, branch chain amino acid shake, specifically designed to help muscle growth. And I put that in a pretty wine glass and I sat down and I would sit with my husband, even if he was having an old fashioned, and something in my mind clicked. It was, I feel proud of myself for this choice. As I am consuming this drink, I actually feel like it could be placebo, but it's going in there and it's fixing all of the little damage, all of the little organ tissue, the muscle tissue that I have caused and wreaked havoc to really um, over the past 15, almost 16 years with alcohol. I felt like I was consuming health instead of consuming destruction. And that, oh, that was like a fire lit under my ass. And to take it a step further, and especially as we entered into quarantine, I felt incredibly blessed because we had already built out a little garage gym. So what do you know, as I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I don't want to be party girl Maggie anymore, but I can't sit around and think I can't be party girl Maggie because that's going to make me want to be that identity over and over and over again. I said, who do I want to be? Well, I want to be fitness, Maggie. <laughs> like if, if there were a Barbie, I'm going to go from party girl Barbie to fitness Barbie, health and wellness Barbie. And I said, okay, what does that mean? Well, actually learning about 
creating my own exercise programs, not just going in the gym half hungover and like doing what I found some Instagram girl doing. I was actually going to start programming my own workouts. So I started following, shout out Brett Contreras, the glute guy. He actually has like a PhD in glute science of some sort. Anyway, I spent $40 on a huge textbook, which was the most I ever spent on anything for myself that was not alcohol related. It was related to personal development. I pushed past the fear of, oh my gosh, $40 for this big book. And I said, this is going to help me in this phase of my life. So I ordered that book. I invested in myself, even though it was $40, I invested in that book, which meant every night when I made my BCA shake, I was like, oh, well, I should get my money's worth out of this book. It's the Glute Lab book, if you're interested. Anyway, through that book, I started to learn about something called progressive overload, which meant instead of just going and doing random workouts, go in and do workouts that are repetitive, where you're doing the same exercise either once a week or even twice a week, and you are repeating them every week over and over. So maybe for four weeks straight, every Monday is the same exercises. What this does is that you do it the first Monday, and then you measure your metrics. How many reps did I get? What weight did I have? How did I feel? What was my intensity? Well, then the next time I repeated that workout, oh my gosh, I got an extra rep and I had extra weight on that bar. And I didn't have to take as long of a rest interval because I recovered more. And I started to see this thing happening in my world where I was dictating my results. I was seeing that I could architect my future. And before that moment, I was so stuck in my drinking because my focus was always on the past, always on what has happened to me and how could I justify that pain and that unfair, tragic circumstance with my behavior now. And I had this perception that I was in the backseat of my car, somebody else was driving it and I was just victim to everything that would happen in my life. I had no control over anything. And I think most people that are resonating with this message right now that are maybe carbon copies of old me as well, they have that same idea about their life. And I believe AA perpetuates that. <sighs> Don't get me started there. So, <laughs> so what happened was instead of thinking, I'm just having to take the punches that life throws at me, I started to be proactive and say, if I want a certain thing in my life, then I can actually do things to bring about that result. Before, anytime I thought about doing things, oh, who are you to think you could do that? Who are you? Look at you. You've messed everything up. That was my inner dialogue. You can't. You would never. What would people think about you? That kept me from ever acting on any of the bright ideas that would change my life. So I continued to spiral in the same Groundhog Day year after year. So in seeing that I could drink different things and feel better about myself and I could move differently with my body and see results, I had been working out for 
over 15 years at this point, but I'd never seen my body change. And within four weeks, I would say within even two weeks, I could see a difference. Now, this is, of course, sans alcohol. So that does speak a lot for itself. But it was also this idea of I can get in there and I can't wait to see how much extra weight or how much better my technique is or how much better my reps are. And all of this trained my mind to stop focusing on the past and start focusing on the future and what exciting things are gonna come. I started getting hungry for progress. And I used to say right in the beginning, I was like, I went from being addicted to alcohol to being addicted to progress. Now I've had a lot of people saying, you've just transitioned your addiction, but let's break it down. Addiction is when you are partaking in something that brings about negative results that you can't stop. So is an addiction to progress that brings about positive results, is that actually an addiction? No, it's a healthy obsession. And I became healthfully obsessed with progress. And after just a few weeks of working out by myself in the gym, listening to the Jocko Willink podcast, shout out, he is my all time. I have a vision of being on his podcast too one day. Um, so I listened to him obsessively talking about leadership, discipline equals freedom, all of these ideas it started to rewire my thoughts. Then I find myself remotely working during quarantine and having a little extra free time and my mind was wandering. And that's something that I let it do, which I think I'm really gifted in that way. I don't think a lot of people let themselves fantasize and imagine in the right direction. I started to imagine, well, who do I want to be without alcohol? I want to inspire other people struggling with mental health issues to use fitness and nutrition to rewire their minds for healthy lifestyles. So I said, what would that take? Well, that would take me getting professionally certified as a personal trainer. And that thought had crossed my mind thousands of times. But again, who are you to think you could ever do that? That's so expensive. You could never afford that. But here I was affording, I will say, over $100,000 worth of alcohol in my lifetime. And so what was it to redirect my spending to get professionally certified to coach people in this way? So there, after we got that Trump stimmy check, I put that towards, plus a little bit of my own savings, since I wasn't drinking like a 300-pound man, I put that towards my professional certifications. And I started to go all in. This investment also took my mind off of being party girl Maggie because it was creating my new identity as healthy Maggie, healthy role mo model Maggie, healthy Barbie. And so this all started to play together in a really beautiful way. That freedom from the obsession from alcohol has been gone since February of 2020. Here's the kicker. I really needed to prove to the world that addiction was not a disease. Because if it were a disease, that would mean that anytime I had a drink later in life, I would spiral back into relapse. Guess what? I can have a drink now. I drink as much as I want whenever I want, but guess what? I've built an identity where I don't want it. But if I have a sip of my husband's old fashioned, I know 
Once I have a drink, the drink does not take me. If I have a drink, if I choose like a whole ass human adult to have a drink, I'm powerful. That doesn't fit my lifestyle, but if I wanna have a sip, then I can switch to water easily. That's the mindset, that's the mental program that I have instilled in my mind so that no matter what, the outer world does not dictate me. And I know that pisses a lot of people off. And actually it made me question everything about myself, which is why since I reintroduced alcohol with success and never, ever, ever went back to old party girl Maggie ways, I had to figure out what I did. What did I do? Because the world needs to know about this. It breaks my heart. My mom passed away in 2022 from alcohol-related issues because she could never see a different way than what she was programmed to believe with AA. Had I been able to articulate it sooner, perhaps I could have saved her. But here we are. The past is the past. And I'm just here to let you know that if you feel like your life will always be this way, understand that your history does not dictate your future unless you say it does. And you are a magical fucking human being. You are a magical creature with a gifted mind and the power of your mind, you cannot understand. They do not teach this in AA. They teach you to give it up to God, but God can only do for you what it does through you. Whatever you believe in, God, universal intelligence, source energy, all of that fits. It has to be through you. You have to change your thoughts, your beliefs, your self-image, your paradigms. And that's what we're going to learn here on the Unsoberly Sober Show. In closing today, I want to leave you with a little activity to kickstart your positive journey, your new identity. I want you to take a sheet of paper and perform a thought audit. This is not something that you're going to be able to do all in one go. This is something, as we say, an audit that is ongoing. Take this sheet of paper, draw a vertical line down the middle. On the left-hand side, put at the top of that column negative lens, negative thoughts, whatever, however you want to uh, annotate that. Left column, you're going to start to audit and become aware of your thoughts. I would put money that you probably are so used to what you think that that doesn't stand out anymore as negative or positive. You just think it's true. So start putting your negative thoughts that you notice come up. Mine that I started to notice, I'm always going to be party girl Maggie. I'm always going to be stuck in this identity. Okay, cool. That's what I think now. On the right side, what's the complete opposite of that statement? What do I want to be? I want to be healthy and fit. Okay, cool. Every time I think party girl Maggie is who I am and I can never be anybody else, I kick that thought out, which is a function of your conscious mind. It can accept or reject ideas. Kick that thought out and accept the idea that's the old you, the new you is I'm healthy and fit. Another negative thought that I had, my friends will never love me if I'm not drunk Maggie. Right-hand side, the positive lens, the positive statements is, I'm so happy now that I'm magnetic and I'm gregarious and people love me. I became quite the wordsmith in this challenge where I just came up with the most positive electrifying words to describe my new identity. It is not conceited to say nice things about you. It's actually a very 
healthy ingredient to have self-esteem, right? I noticed left-hand side, I have zero self-esteem. I'm not confident. Okay, the opposite of that is I have healthy self-esteem. I am confident. I feel like, left-hand side, I feel like I need a drink every day. Right-hand side, say this until your literal thoughts start to fizzle out and you fall asleep. I am so happy and grateful now that I am free and healthy. Notice I don't even say sober in there because what does sobriety infer? Sobriety infers that I'm the type of person that would love to drink but can't drink because I am powerless to alcohol. No, let's talk about being free, healthy. Johan Hari says the opposite of addiction, of addiction is connection. I am connected. I am honest. Anything that contradicts those left-hand side statements, start to go ham, record yourself saying them, fall asleep thinking them, visualizing them, feeling them, wake up feeling them, go look your ass in the mirror, dead in the eyes and say these things to yourself because your mind and your body is listening and the body is the instrument of the mind and what you feel like doing is dictated by what thoughts you are entertaining. So. You could finally say sayonara to the feeling of wanting to drink because you're going to trump that with the alternative storytelling in your mind. So that is the thought audit exercise for this week. Can't wait to dive into next week's exercise because we're going to have tons of fun things that you can do on your own. And then always fill me in on the results, on the experience. I'm here for it. So in closing, lots of love. Remember, think different to drink different or never again. It all goes down in the mind. Signing out, Magnify Maggie.